Today, we're reconstructing prehistoric African populations with a large-scale study published in Cell and led by Harvard Medical School. The study gives us a glimpse into how Sub-Saharan Africans lived and moved across the continent some 8,000 years ago. Welcome to the Nature Middle East podcast, broadcasting from Cairo, Egypt. Every episode, we highlight exciting research from the Arabic-speaking Middle East and stories of emerging science. How did populations in Africa get to where they are today? That has always been a tricky question to answer from an evolutionary perspective. The reason for this is that very few ancient DNA samples, samples that can be studied or scrutinized, have survived over time. But this is changing as scientists like David Reich and Pontus Kuglund have set out to reconstruct ancient African landscape using genome-wide analysis of human remains, belting out revelations about the early inhabitants of this continent and about an incredibly rich period of African ancient history. This is a new episode of Nature Middle East podcast. I'm Pakinam Amir, and today we're discussing the evolution and ancestry of ancient Africans in light of a new study into prehistoric DNA extracted from the region. How does one go about reconstructing an ancient population structure? For instance, we know that before farmers and animal herders swept in, hunters and gatherers had dominated the African continent. But what does this tell us about present-day populations in the region? About how they moved, mixed together, or replaced one another? How did the shift in lifestyle affect genetic adaptation and what leaked into our current DNA pool? It's all questions that I asked Dr. Pontus Kuklin from Harvard Medical School about his research. You're now listening to the Nature Middle East podcast. Coming up, Dr. Kuklin talks about the unexpected findings of his research into prehistoric populations before farmers and animal herders took over the African landscape some 3,000 years earlier. He also tells us about how complete population replacement in some parts of Africa took place. Uh, using DNA information to reconstruct the past can be very useful. So all our uh, sort of D- patterns of DNA uh, and ancestry are sort of the outcomes of different historical po- uh, processes. Populations moving, expanding in size, contracting in size, meeting each other, mixing their genes with other populations. Uh, and we can get a long way uh, towards understanding this, these processes by looking at present-day DNA. But the absolute best thing is, of course, to have direct evidence from different time points and from different places. Uh, and the only way we can get this really is ancient DNA. Uh, so obtaining ancient DNA, we then try to look qualitatively and quantitatively at this DNA information data, so tens of thousands or millions of uh, places in our DNA, our genome. Uh, using statistical approaches to uh, mainly to, for example, one thing that's very useful is to uh, search for evidence for mixture between populations and when uh, populations became isolated from each other, how they expanded uh, across continents such as Africa. Perhaps the most interesting uh, and striking finding is um, that we got the first view of the population structure uh, in southern to eastern Africa before the sort of drastic uh, changes in populations uh, inhabi- inhabiting this area that came about a few thousand years ago uh, when agriculture spread. Uh, and agriculture spread mainly from Western Africa and 
uh, from, by populations that have contributed uh, much ancestry to populations today in Eastern and Southern Africa. Uh, and we knew some things about, we could sort of guess at what uh, hunter-gatherer populations lived there before. Some of them we find now have, have indeed um, left a lot of ancestry in present-day populations, but what we also could see is that some of them have left almost no ancestry in present-day populations. For example, uh, in Malawi, uh, where, uh, as far as we can tell, there was a hunter-gatherer population that lived there from 8,000 years ago to 2,500 years ago that is not represented in any ancestry in a, any group we looked at. In contrast, then, in East Africa, like um, where we analyze the data from Tanzania, for example, uh, there is ancestry uh, in many populations living there today, as well as in southern Africa. Dr. Skrugland and his colleagues generated genome-wide data from ancient farmers using remains of 16 sub-Saharan Africans as old as 8,000 years. Another thing we could do in this study was to analyze changes in uh, uh, parts of our genome, our whole set of DNAs, 3 billion ATGs and Cs, or what we call base pairs, uh, and changes that have occurred, for example, in, in our case, we looked at uh, ancient genomes that we had from approximately 2,000 years ago in present-day people. And in this case, there was uh, basically what we uh, call continuity in that uh, the present-day people were descended from the 2,000-year-old genomes that we had access. And what we can do then is see which parts of the genome, which genes have undergone the most drastic changes during this time period, and then identify which ones were statistically more drastic than sort of an average part of the genome. And this allowed us to identify aspects such as, for example, rapid evolution in taste receptor genes that allows populations to detect, sort of distinguish between, for example, we can possibly distinguish between different types of poisonous plants and, and other features. Um, and, but this was only sort of a first step towards doing this. And uh, we could only do it for a lim very limited place. If we can build a sort of complete or compre at least comprehensive record of ancient genomes, for example, in Africa, uh, we'll be able to un hopefully do this and understand much more of important uh, adaptations in, in uh, human populations all over the world. But before farmers and animal herders, there were foragers. And this study tells us about them too, and by extension, about present-day populations. Um, so what we could see was that there was uh, this cline of foragers. So, so you can think of it as sort of an interconnected set of populations that, in our analysis, seem to have spanned uh, a vast region from the Western Cape in South Africa to uh, the Zanzibar archipelago and, in fact, even the Ethiopian highlands in Eastern Africa, uh, suggesting that um, before agriculture, when people uh, lived as uh, foragers, you know, which, of course, was the case in all over the world, in Africa, in Eastern and Southern Africa, there was this sort of interconnections uh, of sort of distantly uh, connected groups uh, that formed a population landscape that uh, has since been changed very dramatically by expansions of pastoralists, uh, mainly from Eastern Africa to, for example, Southern Africa, uh, but also uh, substantially so from uh, Western Africa, where agriculturalists, likely speaking, uh, languages in the Bantu family expanded uh, starting from a couple of thousand years ago. We find sort of uh, th there was this um, very sort of profound expansion of, of uh, agricultural populations coming into a landscape where forager and hunter-gatherer populations were already present. What we found that this sort of interaction had different outcomes. And some places the populations mixed uh, sort of very evenly 
contributing to uh, sort of uh, ancestry from both of them in populations today, whereas in other places, we don't see evidence of mixture. For example, only hunter-gatherer ancestry is present in some populations, only agricultural ancestry is present in some populations. Uh, and this is something that will be uh, interesting to understand from a historical point of view, um, what drives these interactions between different populations. But why is it important for us to study the genomic diversity of this era to begin with? One thing I'm, uh, I'm, I think is very important is to understand, to use ancient DNA in a positive way to help understand human biology and ultimately to aid us in um, uh, medical research. And one of the most important things that we can study with ancient DNA is in this transition from having a lifestyle as a forager uh, to having a lifestyle uh, a sedentary or a herding uh, lifestyle or relying on agriculture that uh, many populations, most populations uh, today uh, have a transition to. Uh, and of course, uh, these different lifestyles pose very different sort of biological challenges uh, for uh, our sort of human biology. Uh, where, in one, where in sedentary and agricultural lifestyles there's a different diet, uh, compare, of course, compared to being a hunter-gatherer. Also, uh, living in denser um, groups and in settlements also changes the sort of disease risk, infectious disease burden on um, populations. Uh, and the best way to understand uh, what changes, or sort of, which can be very subtle, changes in our DNA uh, have allowed adaptations to this lifestyle. And the best way to possibly to understand that is to get direct evidence from before these transitions with ancient DNA. As it stands, there is 10 times more ancient DNA from Europe than from anywhere else, according to the scientists. In short, the deep genomic history of Africa, the mother of all, is still understudied. But this new research is certainly a step forward. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also subscribe to our bi-weekly newsletter to have the latest news and feature stories delivered right to your email. I'm Pakina Maemer. Thank you for listening. <laughs>